goodness, it's the final preseason game. And until next year, we don't have to watch preseason games podcast. Matthew Collar and Sam Ekstrom here on Purple Insider. Um, Sam, another football game was played and there were things that happened. Uh, where do you want to go from here? um the regular season please i I like to depart this era of the the off-season process and get into the meaningful football apparently there was a hail mary in a football game tonight to to force a tie at the end that would have been fun if we could have had something like that so somebody tweeted this at me and i think that it's right that there has never been a preseason that i've covered where nothing happened the whole time to even sort of have fun with. And that was the Minnesota Vikings 2021 preseason. Now we will never remember this happened by the first quarter of Cincinnati. That is the football team. What we saw tonight is not the football team. Mike Zimmer couldn't even remember all the players that were sitting out uh, yet. Still, it was hideous to begin with. They get run right out of the building by Patrick Mahomes, as I guess you would expect, but, uh, there isn't anything to even go, Hey, well, at least we saw this guy emerge or, Oh man, never would have dreamed that guy'd make the team, but wow, what a preseason he had. There might be no Mr. Mankato. I mean, you're, you're going to want to give it to your KJ Osborne. I get that. Cause he was starting tonight and he made one good catch tonight. He made three but, good catches, but, Matthew, but three usually quality catches. Usually though, the Mr. Mankato is out there dominating practice and he has, you know, the Audi Cole pick sixes or some sort of big preseason game that everybody gets excited about. Kyle Sloter had that happen. Brandon Dillon had that happen a couple of years ago. There wasn't even a performance. There wasn't a kick return for touchdown, a long field goal, a great special teams play that is memorable. Like we didn't get almost anything to even get Vikings fans sort of juiced up about the preseason. And most people that were tweeting me tonight were saying, is it going to be this bad this year? And the answer is no, but it was that bad again at the start of this game with Kirk Cousins and Jake Browning. So what what, what subject would you like to touch on first? We've got a backup quarterback situation. Yeah. We've got defensive ends to talk about. We've got what positions are they going to try to fill with other people's cuts to discuss? So pick a lane. And Everson Griffin played in the number 58. So if you get that jersey, you can be very ironic um, if you want to make a custom one. So what? Like, where do you want to go with this? They can just change their Jordan Brailford jerseys from Brailford to Griffin. Just put right. some, some yeah. tape, some duct tape on the back. Um, let's just talk about some of the buzz kills. Um, buzz kill number one. We didn't get to see Kenne Wangwu at all. I think I, I think that's a Mr. Mankato front runner if he plays. He looked awesome in practice. I was legitimately excited to watch Kenne Wangwu this preseason, and he lasted one play. And injured his knee and probably will contribute early in the season, but we we you know haven't seen him at all in uh in weeks. So that's a buzzkill. The just the the bad offensive play in all three games just made it so hard to watch. I mean, honestly, the the last quarter from Kellen Mond was better than anything we saw from any unit. And obviously it doesn't matter because it's against threes. But, um, I mean, it was progress from Mon, to be sure. But that was the only competent offense we watched at all. Um, K.J. Osborne 
probably clinches Mr. Mankato just because he had a fast start and nobody else did anything to catch up. Like Osborne had multiple catches in every game and three tonight leading receiver. That probably does it. Um, There've just been so many, like if you look at, you know, like if you're watching CNBC, it says like stock up, stock down. Um, I know, I don't know if we're working with symbol right now, but the stock up, stop, stock down. There's a lot of downs like for some of these younger players. And, uh, and it's hard to find any real silver linings in this. The kicker missed a field goal. Right. Um, but let's talk about Mr. Number 58. Let's talk about Everson Griffin. Let's focus on one positive. I think I'm going to write about him too, because in his limited reps, I thought he provided more jump than Steven Weatherly has all preseason. And, uh, and considering Steven Weatherly was brought in as like their first free agent and was going to be a starter or so we thought, I thought that looks, it looks pretty bad for Steven Weatherly. Um, he was playing in, was it the second half or late in the first half? Uh, Wanham has clearly won the job. I thought Griffin looked really good in his few reps, got a sack, got a pressure, um, PFF will probably give him like a hundred grade because he had such like big impact for such few reps. But, um, I mean, Mond late in the game and Griffin's few snaps that's that those are the silver linings I'm taking away from this one. And Mond late in the game. We'll talk about this more, but it's, we call it slow to ring. When you do, mm-hmm. you're slaughtering the opponent's third and fourth string at the end. So, um, the yeah, we'll we'll talk about the backup quarterback situation in a bit. Uh, I wanted to address what you said about the buzz kills, but first I want to read this Zimmer quote, which uh, gets you very excited for Week One. He said, "If the if we get the wrong guys hurt, we're going to struggle in a lot of ways." And <laughs> I just thought, like, this has been the theme of the entire preseason and training camp is look, we don't have any players that aren't our good starters. And that's the bottom line here. And almost no matter what you do, that's the reality. Um, Somebody said on Twitter, Kyle said on Twitter, what I like about Zimmer is he inspires. Yeah. You know, they won't be putting that scrolling outside of us bank stadium before they play their home opener. If we get the wrong guys hurt, it's over. Um, but I also agree with him that the, the lack of depth on the roster really showed. And usually we expect to see, okay, this receiver emerged or that player sort of came out of nowhere or this draft pick. Wow. He could contribute right away. And there just hasn't been any of that. And that's the biggest buzzkill is probably the draft class that when your team drafts a quarterback, you think, oh, I can't wait to see him. And then he comes out and even tonight, yeah, it looked better later on, but overthrows Zach Davidson for an interception right away. There's a fumble and a strip sack and, you know, they fail to get in the end zone on another drive. And then, you know, finally it starts to open up a little when no one is playing and he's got tons of time to throw. But uh, Zimmer, again, with touching comments about Kellen Mond said, you know, some good, some bad, I guess. I mean, just no, I, he is not the hype machine. You will never mistake Mike Zimmer for the hype machine. But to me, uh, aside from Wong Wu, which I think is correct, it's really that the receivers didn't get to play football. The quarterback play was so bad from Cousins when he was in, Jake Browning just start to finish in this preseason, and then Kellen Mond for 95% of his preseason snaps. 
They were so incompetent as an offense that if Amir Smith-Marset is a good receiver, we don't know it. And KJ Osborne got to make a nice catch along the sideline. Good job by him. Uh, Wap Fillier, sorry, man. We just couldn't throw you the football because nobody could decide where they were supposed to throw it and then make a read and make a throw. Uh, that simple operation just did not work to the wide receivers in this preseason. And it was one of the positions that I was interested in from the very beginning. And that was just like washed off of the table. Now to your point about Everson Griffin, totally agree. And I wanted to ask you, is, is that it for Weatherly? Because when Weatherly was in, in the second quarter, late in the second quarter, when almost everyone else was a second teamer and he was still rushing the passer, the thought that went through my mind is, is that it? Is that it for him? Because that's usually how it goes is they try to do this. They did this with Laquan Treadwell a few years ago, a little showcase like, mm-hmm. yeah, you want to give us a seventh for this guy who's played in the NFL before. Uh, but I think Weatherly has shown almost nothing during this preseason, not a whole lot in training camp to be excited about. And I think they should probably just stick with DJ Wanham, Everson Griffin and kind of go from there. Um, it's not that Weatherly is very costly. It's just like, what are they going to do with him? Do you think that he ends up getting cut? It is more of a reality than I ever envisioned. I don't think he gets cut because they still don't have that much depth there. Um, Patrick Jones probably isn't ready. Kenny Willickis, you know, may or may not be ready. And it might not be Willickis. It could be Mott or Holmes, whatever they choose. I prefer Willickis, but um, I think they, they maybe don't want the egg on their face of having, you know, a $2.5 million acquisition become a cut day casualty. Um, and they tend to value sometimes low impact players that just know the system. So he may stick around in a demoted role. I think they believe he can be a bit of an inside rusher as well, maybe on third downs. I mean, Andre Patterson says that they'll put any, any kind of pass rusher, any position on the inside on third downs, they don't care. And maybe they roll with a third down package of, um, you know, Weatherly, Griffin, Wanham, Hunter, which might actually be pretty formidable. So I think he sticks around, but in a much limited role, probably, honestly, similar to his 2019 role, where it was Griffin and Hunter. And, you know, the third guy was Odenabo who got the most snaps. And I think that Odenabo and Wanham are, are comparable here. So you got three guys getting a lot of snaps and then Weatherly number four. Like I think Weatherly has been demoted to their number four defensive end. Um, and Zimmer, you mentioned just the worst hype machine ever. Griffin has just this fantastic um, showing in like a very short amount of time, clearly looks like he's got it still. And Zimmer is so demure in the way he answers the questions. He's like, well, we, we want to see if he can work, if, see if he can rush still as if there was like, like, oh, he's going to get cut maybe, um, which I just found hilarious. But I think Weatherly sticks around, but I don't think it's guaranteed. And uh, yeah, what else do you have? So, oh, so- I wanted to, I wanted to touch on the receivers too, because mm. uh, you mentioned how the younger receivers didn't have a chance to be receivers and, you know, no one was more frustrated me than me when Jake Browning was overthrowing KJ Osborne like four times in a row. Uh, Browning, by the way, I had to calculate this manually because you can't just look at his reference page for preseason games. He goes 13 of 33 um, in the preseason. That's less than 40 percent. 
Um, so that was agonizing to watch. But here's the other thing, Collar. I mean, Cousins didn't have Thielen and Jefferson this week, and he had no chemistry with any of those young receivers in the game, in practice, and that's been a problem ever since Jefferson got hurt. Uh, Cousins can't find anybody. Like he doesn't either trust Smith Marset or Osborne and BB or, or he just or they're not getting open. Um, but there's been nothing between them at all. And then in the game, it was a continuation of that. So I think that I mean, when they did have a real quarterback in the game, it wasn't good either. Yeah, that's right. And that's where I they're not gonna get as open as Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, but can you get them some work? Because you might have to play with them. I mean, if either one of those guys goes down and they've both had injuries in the preseason, if either one of them is out or even gets banged up during a game, you have to go to those guys. And it seemed like he had some trust for BC Johnson and some trust for Chad Beebe. But I was going to ask you about Chad Beebe. And then uh, sort of something, uh, two words kept running through my mind as I was watching this game. And then the Zimmer quote at the end about not having depth really sort of solidified it, which was, why though? And and with Stephen Weatherly being brought back, and initially I was okay with the move, but I thought, well, you bet you better do a lot more there. And they waited till the very end with Griffin of the preseason. Why though? Like, why not sign Everson Griffin much earlier this offseason and have him ready? And we didn't get an explanation for that. But instead of he's gonna start out as a third down situational guy, why don't you just start him? Like I mean, he's just better than the other players. So why though? Like, why, though, bring back Chad Beebe and continue that thing? Uh, and Beebe, I felt bad for him tonight. He took an ugly hit that was totally unnecessary, maybe by a guy who's trying to make the team or something. And I hope he's okay because he got hit really hard in the head and didn't come back in the game. But why, though, with the Chad Beebe thing? We saw that for a couple years. It's clear that he's not going to be anything more than just a fringe roster guy in the NFL. And... Why though wait till the fifth round to get another receiver? And then Zimmer's talking about, well, we've got no receivers to put out on the field. It's like, well, yeah, because you drafted one and brought in DD Westbrook, who hasn't played yet. So you brought in one guy for $1 million who is coming off an ACL surgery. So why wasn't there someone else there? And then I'm watching Dakota Dozier again, still play for this team, which I don't know Making if that's catches just doing yeah, it all. I know. Swiss right. Army yeah. Night. One of their top receivers tonight, really. Um, but you know, I'm, there's a, a few things where you talked about them trusting their players, even if they have very marginal impacts. And then Zimmer goes after the game and says, yeah, if we lose certain players, it's just over. And then you go, well, were there any other opportunities at those dollar amounts, 2.5 million, another million here, another million there? Were, were there any other opportunities for a couple more million spread between a few guys to get better backups? Or do you have to now scramble and do this? And we've seen this game before about, uh, you know, well, they could fill this role after cut down and such. Uh, let's see, Blake Bell tried to do that one time. I think there was a Cole Hicatini mixed in. We got a uh, Tremaine Brock was the big signing once. And uh, George Iloka was one that was at the end of training camp. I mean, yep. it's, it's very hard to just join a team that's been practicing since April and then drop in and actually make an impact. Usually you should just stick with your guys and and hold on to your butts, I guess, right? I mean, Ryan was Ryan Connolly on that list too? Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Ryan Connolly also got brought in late and maybe, uh, Todd Davis. So I, I guess that kept coming into my mind. Um, if you want to comment on that, you can, and then we can talk about the, um, 
the quarterback situation. Yeah, um, I'll address BB first. I mean, he like the the best offensive move in the offseason was what exactly? Was it Mason Cole? It was probably, you know what it was? Resigning Rashad Hill because at least someone's yeah. there. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, getting back Hill. Yeah, the BB thing working out kind of exactly as you would expect. And again, tonight, you know, couple contested catch opportunities that he doesn't make. Just not a part of his game. And, um, you know, you see him take a hit like that and you, you get nervous because he's so injury prone and it was a nasty hit. But, um, you know, the, the Dakota Dozier move worked out exactly as you would have expected. So, uh, and, you know, Amir Abdullah, I'm worried about his preseason workload. They're just like <laughs> giving it to him every single time. Yeah. Second and 19. Why not? It's preseason. It was so, it's just so deflating. When I'm going off on a tangent here, it's so deflating when every like running back touch is either Amir Abdullah, who, okay, who cares at this point? AJ Rose, good for you. Practice squad at max. Um, Ido Smith, whoop de doo. Like there was no, none of the top three running backs on this team were getting any touches. So that just detracted from like two thirds of the offensive plays were that much less interesting all preseason. Like I don't care about any of these people. Um, I'm Goes clearly back to your bitter. buzzkill theme, yes. I'm clearly bitter about this, yeah. Um, well, so, because, I mean, even the fans who tuned into these games, I mean, in the last preseason game, they're throwing their, uh, you know, game, uh, what do they call them, their handout things up in the air. Uh, and then in this game, I mean, if you continue to watch it, just bless you. But, I mean, there was no even entertainment value for fans. And, and it, the other part of it, too, is that you're trying to glean something toward the regular season. And the only thing you came away with is, oh, boy, we better stay healthy. Right. I mean, that was the biggest thing you came away with. And not yeah. even you did part of the joy of the preseason is sort of picking out a handful of guys that you like and seeing how they do. And there was just really none of that. And after every game, Zimmer came out and made it very clear he hates everyone that's not a starter. And so that you can't really get too excited about that either. Um, and so there's only so many times we can continue to say, yeah, if uh, Hunter's not 100 percent, they're screwed. And if Harrison Smith is not 100 percent screwed and like there's only so many times in different ways that we can kind of talk about that. But let's get into the backup quarterback situation. If they're not calling C.J. Beathard up after he gets cut by the Jacksonville Jaguars or whomever I get. I mean, Blake Bortles must be so terrible right now that nobody wants him. Uh, he's been with a couple of teams, but there was a few guys that I ran through. Like if you want something really ironic, Nick Foles will probably be cut by the Chicago bears. There's a handful of other players. Uh, Matt Barkley might not make it for the Tennessee Titans. I don't know. Uh, Trevor Simeon, old friend, Sean Mannion, old friend. Those guys might end up as your backup quarterback, but this goes under the why though category after you saw Kellen Mond and OTAs rookie mini camp and mini camp, why not have another veteran quarterback that, that I don't understand that if he hadn't gotten ahead of, even at the very beginning ahead of Jake Browning or even two weeks into training camp or a week into training camp. And it was clear how far away Kellen Mond was. Why though? And when Zimmer says monetary reasons, I double triple checked. $13 million in cap space. That's enough to spend 1 million on somebody or trade a conditional seventh for somebody that, you know, won't turn out to be anything anyway. 
Why? Why? Because we watched J- Jake Browning come out and just show very clearly that he is not an NFL quarterback. And he did look better than that in practice. Um, so there is that. And there was a brief glimmer of maybe Jake Browning isn't that bad. Uh, he's that bad. I mean, the first two throws tonight were just into the hot dog stand. I mean, this is just not an NFL quarterback. So now you have to scramble and teach somebody else your offense again. Even if it's Sean Mannion, there's going to be different things to it. So that I don't quite understand of why you couldn't bring in a single veteran quarterback to work with these guys. And Mannion was available most of the time. He didn't get signed until the 11th hour. And you're sitting here with Nate Stanley, who is a second Jake Browning. You only need one Jake Browning on your team. Um, you don't need another, you know, like you, you, you could have easily brought in Mannion for the minimum and you still might be able to, and they might be like, they have him on speed dial at the ready potentially. Um, I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I think that they're, they're working the phones like crazy um, to make sure that they get somebody. Another- because Yeah, no, I mean, what what we saw from Browning is obviously not going to fly. And, you know, unfortunately, he like his roster spot is the sacrificial lamb here because like that they're obviously keeping Mond. So Browning, even though he has more experience, um, he's looked better in practice. He's got more vaccinations than Kellen Mond. He has does not have the draft status. So he's gone probably. And um they they can't trust the guy that started in the uh what was it late second quarter early third quarter mond i think it was early third quarter the first series was abysmal and i don't know if the the um who they play the chiefs i don't know if the chiefs technically yes put in some some third stringers but uh things seemed to open up a little bit um mond you know and he actually had some decent throws it wasn't all like improv out there he did have some nice throws dylan osborne wop um but that's not it like i said it before the game there was really no amount that we could see from kellen mond that was going to like change my mind that they needed that that veteran i mean mond mond could have you know played the whole game thrown for 400 yards and i still don't know if that would have convinced me on the body of work that I've seen. Hey everybody, the season is on the way. Fans are going back to stadiums, so you have to be ready with the best Minnesota football gear. That's why you have to check out Soda Stick. I saw a ton of Soda Stick gear around training camp. I expect to see it in the stadium as well. There are so many cool designs on hats, t-shirts, and hoodies for the fall weather, including the John Randall design that is extremely cool. There's also the straight cash homie Randy Moss homage, can't stop the Thielen hats, and a personal favorite, the old video game designs that Tecmo fans will appreciate. Check it all out at sodastick.com. That is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Everything is screen printed here in Minnesota, and I can tell you that the shirts are comfortable and they last because half of my closet is now Soda Stick at this point. Again, that's sodastick.com, Minnesota sports-inspired goods, and keep your eye out for our Soda Stick giveaways. Well, and we're talking about third and fourth quarter, which if you're playing, then it usually means you're going to be cut. 
And so he's playing against guys who are mostly going to be cut or be at the very bottom of rosters. It was better to see him against that competition look like he could make some throws. He made a good throw into the end zone on the two point conversion to Myron Mitchell. He made a couple of good throws to Amir Smith Marset. There was a pass where he led Wap Fillier. That was pretty nice. And a 14 yard run that he had, like he looked a little more quarterbacky uh, and he didn't look at all quarterbacky really in the first two games. But are you trusting him to start games if Kirk Cousins goes down? Here's the other thing you brought it up. And that's what I was sort of jumping to say was how do you cut your only vaccinated quarterback? I mean, yeah, do you have to find a veteran who's got the vax because what happened to the Denver Broncos last year could happen here if they keep Nate Stanley as the practice squad quarterback, and then they have Kellen Mond, and then they have Kirk Cousins. Unless those guys, unless their status changes, they could have close contact with each other in a meeting, no matter the room size, depending on the time and everything else. And, or they could just get it from each other if one person got it. Like if there's one just bizarre happening and somebody ends up with it and Nate Stanley or Kirk or whoever, uh, you're playing Delvin Cook at quarterback. And so they have to have someone else, but now that someone else has to learn the offense or you stick with Jake Browning and just lose automatically. And he plays not that much better than a wide receiver would. So they put themselves in a tough situation. And I just kind of come back to the, like, why did you think that the Jake Browning thing was going to work? I mean, we were on the Browning bus only that he was going to stay ahead of Mond because of how far behind Mond was, but not Browning bus in terms of, like he's good. Uh, it was, he's just doing better in practice. So I think there's, there's very reasonable criticisms that you could say the depth of this roster is thin because you're paying a lot of star players, especially a quarterback. However, could you have done better than this in a couple of different areas? You would have to say yes. Um, the other why though, the kicker, no competition. Greg Joseph, the guy, the whole time through. Riley Patterson never kicked in a preseason game, wasn't even healthy, and they kept him around. And then Greg Joseph misses again, and then the Vikings go for two, as they usually do when they want to send a message to the kicker. What do you do now? I mean, you can't keep Greg Joseph after he struggled in the scrimmage going, what, seven for 11, missed 250 yarders. They weren't even really close. He missed from uh, length several times during the preseason, just wasn't not really super sharp. Now what you just trade a fifth rounder for a kicker slash punter. Like this is the thing about these, like how much do they impact the regular season? We'll, we'll find out on every single one of them, but like first guesses, a lot of first guesses, maybe you should have another kicker challenging Greg Joseph, right? Yeah. I mean, first, yeah, you said first guess, like, I think we're all second guessing too. Like, you know, what, uh, what are you thinking? What, what are you thinking here where you, you have a chance to set up a legitimate competition and uh, you think this UDFA is going to be the guy and you know, on paper, maybe that made sense. But once you realize that, uh, that he's not going to cut it and he didn't really look good in OTAs when we saw him either, you, you have a chance, like you can bring in a veteran kicker anytime. Um, because there's still a million on the street and they yep. didn't do it. And so I think with Joseph, um, you got to go for it until you get inside the 30 yard line, because from distance it's dreadful. And I, I talked to him 
at a practice recently and I said, you know, you know, how do you feel like it's going? And he said, well, I'm like perfect from 47 and in picked a very arbitrary number. I think he missed from 48 that day. <laughs> um, so, Hey, Hey, that's what I do too. On, uh, on several holes, I was playing par. So I don't want to talk about any of the other holes, but on these holes, it was par golf. So scratch golfer. Yeah. Yeah. Between holes seven and eight, you were a par golfer. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. That's so, exactly the same. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, it's a problem. I mean, basically every problem that you could have anticipated is coming to fruition right now for the Vikings. Like, can we just, let's do an exercise. Let's think about their top backup at cert at key positions. So their top backup at safety. It's probably, it's an F if you, can we get, can we letter grade it F? Yeah. I mean, Cameron Bynum is an interesting player because he's a smart guy and he played corner. So he has some good athleticism for the position, but he's not ready for it. And so now you're going to have to sign a veteran safety who doesn't know your system. I don't see any other way around it. Miles Doran, a guy they stuck with from last year. And I don't know why um, he clearly showed that he's not going to be on this team. Josh Metellus hadn't showed much last year. So, okay. But uh, I'll, we can, we can rapid fire grade them, but I'll say that that position for depth right now is an F. Yeah, like a guy that got toasted for multiple long touchdowns, like in the run game and pass game this preseason. Uh, top backup at linebacker. I think we don't know who it is necessarily, but it's if it's Blake Lynch, if it's Troy Dye, uh, and it might be Troy Dye because he can do green dot and he started games last year. Troy Dye, meanwhile, the 102nd graded linebacker out of 102 linebackers last year. For those that had 200 or more snaps, yeah, that's probably your top backup. And he's been hurt twice this preseason. I will give that one. And Ch- and Chaz Surak got hurt, and that looked like some sort of arm injury. And who neck knows in, if that's neck good. injury? Oh, say. neck injury. Okay, yeah. Then uh, maybe a stinger. I don't know, but we'll see how long that keeps him out. I'm gonna go C minus because I think that Nick Vigil is okay. Like I think Nick Vigil is an NFL player. And they're mostly only going to play two linebackers. So can you get by for like four games with Nick Vigil and Eric Hendricks? Yes. One more though, one more down? No. But I also don't know too many teams that have four or five good linebackers. So maybe I'll give them like a C for that. If Troy Dye can play even a little bit better or Blake Lynch is just, you know, halfway okay, then that's probably about the same spot. I think there's a serious linebacker shortage in the NFL that there's only a handful of guys who are actually good at this position. So I'm going to give them more leeway on the linebackers and I'll give them a C because they have tried to draft some and it just hasn't really worked out yet. Okay. That's pretty fair of you. Um, I think it's, it's probably safe to say that their top backup at end and tackle is probably an A or B Richardson and and Griffin. Um, I think we can skim past that pretty quickly. How about corner? Who is it at corner? Dantzler or Boyd? It's Boyd. I think we saw that again tonight. He yeah. starts and that is, that's probably a C minus because last year when Chris Boyd played, he had 121 quarterback rating loud and he's had a good preseason where he's made some plays, but you know, things change a lot when you get to the regular season. Um, and yeah, now that there isn't confidence, we thought that there was going to be a lot of depth at the cornerback position. And then suddenly there's not because Cam Dantzler falls off the face of the earth. And so you have Harrison hand who 
was alive throughout preseason, but certainly didn't stand out the same way he did in minicamp. He'll make the team, but not a guy that you're saying, wow, he's the next whatever. Um, so I, I'll give that also, I think, like a C, C minus for that. Um, although what a pick six for Perry Nickerson tonight. Yeah, two pick sixes this preseason. Um, I, I think we've established that the quarterback situation is an F. That's an F, yep. Um, running back situation, I mean, I'm I'm good. I'm good with the running back situation. Yeah, assuming should, should be an A if Wong Wu comes back. Yeah. And Mad I mean, and Madison is, you know, Cook's main backup, and that would also be an A, even though he's banged up. So wide receiver. Now are we how are we feeling about let's say Osborne at this point? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to think about him because I feel like he wasn't given enough accurate passes to even play football, but just because he's done okay in practice, this guy has zero NFL catches, didn't get on the field last year uh, when the bar was not super high of BC Johnson and Chad Beebe. I'm going to say even with DD Westbrook in the mix, the fact that he hasn't played yet and we don't know what he would look like week one, even if he did play, that's probably a D still, even with Smith Marset looking like he can make some plays, but he doesn't look like a polished receiver. And with KJ Osborne getting better until proven otherwise, you have to kind of give that a D, right? Yeah. I mean, it pains me to do it for my guy, KJ, but um, (laughs) I hate, Hey, this is so funny. The players that you adopt sometimes. Yeah. Davion Davis having a great preseason for Cleveland. Um, suspended. No suspended. He was. Uh... So here's another potential F um, tight end. And yeah. let's, yep. and we're not even in like, let's consider Tyler Conklin sort of a starter. Cause this is a two tight end offense. Um, and he's hurt. So this, whoever we, we establish as the next tight end is maybe in the mix week one. Yeah, Zach Davidson got called out by the GM on the broadcast tonight. And Brandon Dillon, you know, is a guy. He dropped a pass. He caught a pass. He's kind of who he is at this point. So how do we feel about the next tight end? If the next tight end has to play too much, you're just in trouble. I think it's exactly what Mike Zimmer said about a lot of these positions. And you had brought this up and I originally kind of went, I don't know, third tight end. Uh, But you said, like, is there a veteran guy out there who can block or something? Uh, because usually those guys are floating around for $2 million. And that's the one thing I wonder about. They spent so much on the defense to get one-year contract guys and hoped that their recent draft picks would fill out the depth. And they did that here. They hoped that uh, Davidson would fill out the depth and he just looks like he can't really play right now. And uh, I do think that I disagree with Spielman on his assessment of that play though. Kellen Mond overthrew a guy who's like 6'6". By a lot. I don't think that there was much Zach Davidson could have done with that football. Um, but you know, that's maybe that's uh Rick trying to defend his his draft pick. So okay, yeah, and uh your kicker depth, uh, because you don't have a kicker is also an F. Uh so let me circle back though. Does this mean something? Like we've gotten to the end of the preseason, and I got quite a few tweets and messages today that we were just like, dude, this team might just be bad. I don't know. And then you look at the players who are not playing tonight and it's superstar, 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 superstar. You got Harrison Smith is over there. Eric Kendricks. Those are all pro NFL players. Delvin cook is a pro bowler. Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson are pro bowlers. Like that's a lot of talent. 
that is just standing on the sideline, not to mention Patrick Peterson as well. So how they played against Tyree Kill and Patrick Mahomes um, is, I mean, they would have to lose a lot of players to get to the point where they were with the roster here, not just a couple guys like everybody. Um, so as we end this preseason analysis, like, let's just talk about like whether this says anything about who they are and, and your opinion on that. Yeah, I think that the the starting 22 are are going to be fine. Mike Zimmer thinks they're going to be fine too, and I guess he wouldn't say anything differently, but I tend to think that they are adequate on both sides of the ball. Enough so that, you know, if you have a top 10 offense or even a if you have a top 15 offense and a top 15 defense, you're going to be all right. Um, and I think that, you know, both of those units can, can be that, um, maybe even sneak into the top 10, you know, on, in, in both regards. So I think there's ceiling for this team. And as we've discussed, it's probably a seven to 11 win range and 11 is staying healthy and seven is losing some key guys. And the, the greatest likelihood is you lose a few key guys along the way and you win nine. And then you have a very Kirk Cousinsy season. So Sands for like immaculate health or some outstanding performance by the offensive line, which I think is probably the wild card in this because they did have some pretty good uh, performances in this preseason. And we just, it with a new, a new voice in that room, Phil Rauscher and, you know, Udo and Cleveland, like all, all of the concerns we have about that line are mainly because of the uncertainty, right? Um, but there is like an outside chance that they are good. Very, it's an outside chance. Like the red flags are still red flags, but you know, the fact that we don't know much about Udo or Cleveland or even Rashad Hill tells me that maybe like all three end up being above average because they are kind of all these kind of new and, um, randomly assembled commodities like at, you know, switching positions and getting moved around and, um, in Hill's case, getting re-signed every year, but not playing. It could weirdly work out that that group is really good. That's kind of the the anomaly that would have to happen, I think, for this offense to be propelled to a point where they could, they could consider to be really good. Um, but with their stars, man, I mean, there is talent here. It's just so top-heavy. That's been the theme. It's a top-heavy team, and we didn't see the top in the preseason because they were benched. And from that angle, uh, I think that the defense will start out pretty good. And what we've seen from them in practice is that they're pretty good. Um, I'm not super confident in Zach Taylor or Cliff Kingsbury's offense getting the best of Mike Zimmer's defenses because those two guys are bad coaches uh, with teams that aren't that good. And so you've got an opportunity to kind of gel together on the defensive side and as an offensive line, because those are not the scariest defensive lines either, Cincinnati and Arizona. So they've got a chance to kind of get this off to a very good start. Here's the thing that I can't get out of my mind when I think of how much this means. Does it mean something that Kirk Cousins just looked like he didn't want to play? He didn't want to throw the ball down the field to anybody. He just couldn't get them lined up. I don't know what was happening, whether it's the call into his helmet or whatever for the third down play practice. 
There haven't been a whole lot of uh, celebrations for Kirk Cousins after good plays. There hasn't been that many good plays. Uh, I've wondered if Mike Zimmer has been playing really hard and confusing defenses against Kirk just to be that way because he did that to John Filippo. Um, the stadium didn't cheer for Kirk when they announced him at U.S. Bank Stadium. Like, I know that there are a lot of people that really want to see Kirk Cousins succeed. And of course, you should want to see your team starting quarterback succeed. But if your cousins, right or wrong, you are coming out of this preseason feeling like you're under attack from the head coach and maybe from the fans because you're getting messages every single day when the team wishes you happy birthday, all the responses, you know what they say. Um, the teammates have seemed a little cold toward Kirk cousins. Um, we didn't see interactions like we saw with, um, Sam Bradford, for example, in 2017, where he really had command of the offense and training camp. And there was a lot of celebrating touchdowns and, uh, you know, everybody kind of coming together after big plays and things like that. We haven't seen any of that. Um, and then you watch him out here and he just looks like. Is he trying to push this thing? Like Mahomes is throwing sidewinder passes and flinging it 35 yards. It looks like, hey, LOL, guys, how great am I? How how awesome is it that me, Patrick Mahomes, is going to the Super Bowl again, fella? That was the vibe I got from him. I'm going to run you guys out of the building because this is hilarious because I'm, I'm uh, Patrick Mahomes. And Kirk Cousins comes out with the like, oh, it's third down. I can't get the play call in. I'm just going to throw it underneath. And you know what I mean? Like there's just the, there's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. You got to look at one. Look at how his team reacted to him. Look at how he just acted out on the football field in a preseason game. Like this was the most fun thing he had to do today. And Cousins through these preseason games has looked like he would rather be anywhere else. And that would be the thing. Like, do they have the talent to be a very good team? I think they do. Should you be concerned about the depth? Yeah, of course. The head coach just came out and said it. But if you're ranking things to be worried about for where this is going to go, the fact that the quarterback looks like he would rather be anywhere else than playing for your team right now, that would be number one on my list. Yeah, looked uh, looked different, didn't it? From from one quarterback to the other. Um, just a different sport. And Cousins kind of checked all the boxes, right? There was like a, a check down to start, um, not his fault, but a second down run, then a throw short of the sticks on third down. There was a botched scramble attempt. Uh, there was a failure in the red zone. It was kind of all the, the like negative Kirk Cousins bingo tonight. And then just throughout training camp too. And, and maybe I think the vaccine thing, we talked about this might just linger in his head. Like it, it seems to have affected his mood, his demeanor um, tonight. Like he's, you know, he's asked about Kellen Mond's success and he could hardly muster anything to even say about it. And you think that someone in his position who doesn't need to be threatened would have some nicer things to say. Um, and he didn't like, he was asked about Everson Griffin this week. And he had very little to say about Everson Griffin. And the, the connection between those two is obvious and, you know, maybe not the friendliest. Um, but he's not he's not doing a good job of faking it. Like, he's not putting on the leadership hat when he steps up to the podium. That's kind of part of the job. And he's not, he's not executing that right now. And he's not executing on the field. 
So when I posed, you know, this summer that, you know, maybe Kirk is going to thrive under the pressure of being in not an official contract year, but kind of a de facto contract year with a rookie quarterback breathing down his neck. It's not so much, you know, down his neck based on what we've seen, but, you know, lurking in the shadows and, and now kind of with this, the vaccine adversity that he's had to face in the, the public square, I thought maybe he would somehow find a way to thrive in that with his back against the wall. And it's been the opposite. Um, he has not lived up to that at all. Um, I think it's the weakest preseason I've seen from him. So he's got a ton to prove. I mean, he, the, all of the momentum is against him right now. And, um, you know, and they're lucky to play Cincinnati week one, if we're being honest. Like that can change everything if they get like a win and they start to roll and everything else. Um, so like, you know, the ship is not sunk yet, but this this vibe of how everything has existed in this tense and uncomfortable world with training camp and through the preseason has I think made it something to really watch closely of like, does he feel like he can even command this team with how much he's been just like publicly criticized by the coach. And then, you know, the little, little jabs, like nobody misses a man. It's 2021. Nobody misses when you make a little jab at the podium. If you're Mike Zimmer, everyone will notice, including your quarterback and his publicist and his family and everything else. Okay. It's just like, this is just not the world we live in anymore where you could take a shot. The media will write it maybe in the paper the next day. Uh, it's going out over Twitter to hundreds of people watching for every post game show. Um, so I, you know, with Kirk, it will be worth watching and thinking about how he reacts to just this whole situation. And it will make you wonder at some point, because we have talked about, okay, if you're not doing this, then it puts you in danger and Zimmer wants you to be available and so forth. But, um, like maybe there's, if you were to replay it, Maybe you just get over it. Like if you're Zimmer, I don't know. Like maybe you just get over it that he missed the practices and I, and you can be mad in private, right? Like, I don't know because that's where it all changed. The first couple of days of practice, this team looked really good. Uh, so Justin Jefferson being back will also be a big deal. What, if, what if, I'm, we- if I'm sorry, if I'm Dalvin cook, I'm getting ready to run it 35 times because <laughs> like, I mean, yep. you know that, in a road environment to start the year cousins coming off a struggling preseason. They're just going to double down on Dalvin. Dalvin cook's going to get so much work. He's not going to know what to do with himself on Monday with all the hits he takes. That's what I'm, (laughs) I'm worried about that. I'm worried for Dalvin. He does not know what's coming to him. Who would have thought I would not that we'd be at the end of the third preseason game going like what just happened? Like, what did we watch? What just happened with this preseason? I am the most don't pay attention to the preseason all that much, except for when you're reading purpleinsider.substack.com and listening to us talk about the bubble guys. We usually Mr. Mankato is to have fun with the preseason because it's just sort of like waiting around. And I never would have dreamed that this would be the feeling coming out of it. But I remember somebody asked this question for the mailbag uh, one time. It's like, what can, what can you really learn of the preseason or in the training camp? And my answer was, you just get the vibe. Like you just take the snapshot of the team and where they're starting because everybody doesn't start the race at the same line like they do in the Indy 500, right? They, you, all, you start at very different places 
you get a uh, Carl Lawson gets hurt for the Jets. You started a different place than you thought you were going to, right? Everybody starts at different places. And I think where the Vikings are starting is back from where they thought they would be starting in, in terms of that snapshot. And it's going to be up to Cousins and it's going to be up to Justin Jefferson and Phelan and Cook and the star players to carry this team every single week because there's not going to be too many other guys that will just step up. And now it's all of a sudden it's on, you know, Daniil Hunter and his reworked disc and Everson Griffin just getting back into it. Like everybody is going to have to kind of click uh, or this could be one of those seasons again where we're riding the roller coaster. So, okay. That was a lot. That was a lot for a preseason game. And I think I may have said that after the last preseason game. So <laughs> I appreciate your time as always, Sam. And uh, Monday, Myron Metcalf and I are going to have bold predictions for the season. So trying to lighten it up a little bit, have some fun. Um, and then we will go forth Tuesday, cut down day. Courtney Cronin's going to come on after that. And uh, you will be there to react to that as well, Sam. So whew, what a time, what a time in our lives, Sam. Thank you. And we will talk to you all again soon. Thank you.